really shoots kind of right out of the gate. Doesn't re he doesn't beat around the bush. Remember, we were kind of talking about the difference between going from 1 Corinthians with Paul and his extremely long run-on sentences to get to a point, and James is kind of like right, right there. He gets right to it. Um, we learned last week that we get wisdom through faith. We ask, God gives us wisdom. The problem, and we all admitted this when we were going through this, is that we all have doubts. We, we second-guess ourselves. We second-guess God. We, we either let our pride get in the way or we're not sure that what we're hearing is from God. We have to have faith to persevere through those times of doubt and fear. We all have trials in this world, and the world looks at everything differently because it really doesn't understand God or his nature or his character. And I know we, we all probably thought to ourselves when I said that, I don't really understand God, right? And it's true, we never fully understand God, but we can certainly know his character, his attributes, his love for us. We, we can know those things. And the people James is writing to here, they, they knew God, but as a being that you worshiped and that you feared. The law was ritual and was upheld so that they did not receive punishment for their actions. The, 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 the Bible video that we saw earlier today kind of fit right into what I'm going to be teaching today, which is kind of neat because those are kind of random, but it fits right into it. Somewhere in the mix of what's going on here with what James, what the, what the Jewish community was dealing with was they kind of missed the love of God. Somewhere that just fell off. They, they, they wrote rules to stop them from breaking other rules. And while they were doing that, David's writing about like how God was amazing and graceful and he loved him and, and he didn't even understand the, the vastness of God's love. But the Jews just kind of let the love go away and made it all about ritual. Now, these people knew Christ as they, as they learned about him, and that's who James is writing this book to, to the dispersed Jews who had made a confession in faith in Christ. So they knew, it, they knew Christ now, and they knew it was all about love. God's God's character never changed, just the way that they had been looking at it had changed. The entire Old Testament is about God redeeming his people, and they just continually kept messing up, messing up, messing up. That's kind of what we saw in that video. For the same reason they missed the love. Well, now, now they see it. Now they understand. These people are dispersed. They see the love of God, and as they disperse... They're doing it because of religious persecution from the people who were supposed to be the ones who understood God better than anybody, right? So, next, our next section of James's hard-hitting encouragement letter, we're going to read James 1, 19 through 27. Our points today are going to be the righteousness of God, doers of God's word, and God's religion. Please stand as we read this section together. 
Has everybody got their Bibles opened up? Lori, are you opening it up? It's ESV. All right. Good job. Good job. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and, and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction." and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You may be seated. So we hear the word religion, and what's the first thing that pops into your head? It's normally, it's a set of rules that you must obey, or it's certain ways that you have to act, um, certain ways that you have to dress, or maybe it's a whole lot of rituals. Any of you guys that have ever been in a Catholic church, it's sit down, stand up, rah, rah, rah. That's, that's not how they do it, but it's sit down. I mean, it's, it's all of these things that it, it's kind of the rituals and the liturgy or the, the practices during service that, that people consider religion, okay? There, there could be thoughts of legalism. There could be thoughts of judgment by an old church or the people who were in it. Um, What we need to do is be Bereans and discern if what we're seeing in all of this mess that we call Christianity today, is it from man or is it from God? We see a lot of times where we put our own spin on God's original intent. Call it whatever, and we tell people to follow that, right? Is that from God, though? Our first point is the righteousness of God. Verses 19 through 21 cover this. And James explains that in order to hear, we have to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And I'm going to fess up right now. Most of you guys know this of me. This is a difficult issue for me. It's been a difficult issue my entire life. Um, most of you know that my favorite saying in everything is, I don't have time for that. So sometimes when somebody is talking to me, and I, I'm confessing this to all of you right now because I do it and I know I do it. Sometimes when somebody's talking to me, I already know where they're going with the conversation. So I'll interrupt them and answer their question. Right? <laughs> wow. My, my wife just said that out loud. And it's, it's not that I don't want to hear what you're saying. It's that I want the Reader's Digest version. Get to the point. Wife. Condensed. 
just get to it. Now, some of you also know that if I have time to talk, I don't shut up. I'll sit there like a teenage girl and just go on forever. Because I'm also very relational. My point is that I have a lot of growing to do because I should be slow to speak. We all have growing to do in this area. That's why God put it in the Bible. Sometimes I can even get angry without knowing the whole story because I was impatient to listen. Any of you guys ever done that? No. Quit nodding your head. Yeah, that's what that was. This is, this is unbelievable here. I think that we've all done that, right? <laughs> the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can anybody be angry and righteous at the same time? I, I know some of you are going to say, well, there is such a thing as a righteous anger. You know, Jesus is like chucking over the tables. He was angry. Well, yeah, that's true, but that was Jesus. How many of you can honestly control your anger when you're angry? Not, not many. Yeah, no, you can't. Um, not many of us. And how well do we represent God when we lose our cool? Not very well at all. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, but why? It's, it's really simple. There's never grace in anger. There's just not. There's never grace in anger. But we, we, we rarely give grace anyway. Are we righteous enough to judge somebody? Think about that question. Let's face it. We get angry for almost always the wrong reasons. We get easily offended or we feel like um, we've been disrespected. Someone may have said something that really hurt. But do we really know what's in that person's heart? We judge them. We judge their thoughts. Um, not through grace, but we typically do it through anger. We, mis we misrepresent the righteousness of God because we aren't at a point that we typically are willing to give grace to somebody. And I'm thankful that he does not treat me the way that I treat others. Amen? Our, our perspective needs to change. We need to see things through his eyes. Quit beating everybody up because they're not as perfect as you. And I, I admit, I do it. So God is righteous, we are not. Isaiah 64, 6 talks about how our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. We, in our own pride, look down at those around us because we think they need so much help or they need, they need fixing. Let me let you in on a little secret, guys. They're looking at you the same way. <clears throat> I can't believe that guy just did that. Oh, I can't believe that that just happened. So... Our righteousness is based on our pride that we inflict on others, and that's not how God wants us behaving. Take that big fat log out of your eye so that you can help a brother. Grace and love. Grace and love. There's actually a lot of legalism in the church, 
especially of fellow Christians. More grace, more love. We are on different paths. We're all in different places in our walk. And righteousness is knowing that we need grace and love on that journey. Our text says that we need to put away the filthiness. We need to change our hearts to the point that we aren't ruled by our flesh and pride. And we, with meekness, we receive God's word. Only then are we able to hear and listen what God's truly saying to us. We, we can't know the answers before we know them. It's, it's just not possible. I'm still amazed at how God reveals things to me in Scripture as I read through it. We, we were talking the other night. I was talking with somebody. Was it, it was Miss Jamie I was talking to about my, my kind of path to standing up here where I am right now. And there was a lot of... I, I knew when I was 13 I would be a pastor. I, I knew that. And I did a lot of things that would not lead people to think that, but I knew it when I was 13. I was not, five years ago, six years ago, I was not ready to be here. God just kept kind of working me and molding me and changing me and revealing things to me, and I just kept seeing things differently. We're all at different positions in that walk. We, we all are. And we, we can't judge other people based on where we're at because they're in a different place. It's just the reality of it. How many of you guys read scripture, it's some, something that you've read before, and you go, oh, I never saw that? Yeah. We, we do that because when you read it the first time, you weren't ready to see what God had for you this time. That's just how that works. You're growing in your faith. That's just, that's just the reality of it. The stuff that I've read a hundred times, I look at it now and I go, wow, I never saw that. And it, it, it really, the, the whole point was, I just wasn't ready to hear that when I read it the first time. Now I see it more clearly. We have to come humbly before the throne for him to reveal stuff to us. So that's the first point. Second point is doers of God, God's word. And you guys know this is kind of a hot button issue with me. We, when we did the study in the book of Acts, um, we talked about how too many of us get comfortable just sitting there and you know we're all supposed to be the hands and feet. We're all supposed to be the body of Christ. And most of us are just the butts. We're just sitting there doing nothing, right? We, we talked about this. We we get comfortable in our salvation and we just become spectators. We just watch as Christianity happens all around us. Well, I think churches should have like a, a cross-carrying competition or something to show the effort involved in like doing the actual work of Christ. Think about Jesus for a second. The, the Son of God, perfect, the word how did he spend his free time well he wasn't sitting there watching oprah or you know he he, he didn't he, he wasn't sleeping when he wasn't sleeping or eating what was he doing he was teaching like all the time that's what he did all the time he was telling people about god he was telling them about him 
We, we hear about God as Christians today, we just go like, well, got it. I'm good. Got my stamp, stamp my approval. I'm going to heaven. Got nothing else to worry about. Everything's great. So we just sit here for an hour or so and listen to me ramble on, and then we go on with our lives, right? That is Christianity today. But that's not our job. That's not what the creator of the universe plucked you out of your bondage and sin to do. James says we must be doers of the word. We can't just be hearers only. So what's that mean? Well, what does the word, what does Jesus tell us to do? We, we went over this recently um, because Jesus basically narrowed the Ten Commandments down to three, right? We're to love the Lord our God. We're to love the neighbor as ourselves. And we're to tell others about him. It's, simp- it's really simple. But again, as we've learned last week, we, as people, we can talk ourselves out of anything, can't we? We can, we can do it. God says do it, and our mind comes up with all kinds of reasons why I can't. And we just sit here, listen to me, ramble on week after week after week. I'm, I can get boring. I know I can. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to church. I'm saying that the church should be a small part of what our walk is. A church, our church being here should be a small part of what our reflection out there should be. So let's look at those three things and look at how they're examples of kind of how Christ shows us the way that we're supposed to do this. So first, we're supposed to love the Lord, our God, with our heart, soul, and strength, right? Be honest with yourself. How many of you guys think about Jesus, God, anything holy related outside of 10 o'clock to 1130 on Sunday morning? Then think to yourself, how much can you love someone you have a relationship with once a week at best? Better question is, is that all your heart, soul, and strength? Jesus, when he wasn't teaching, he was in constant prayer. Why? Because he was on earth. He was separated from the Father. He needed to pray and commune with him. He wanted to show that example of, here's how you do this. How do you have a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to? And you guys have good friends that you don't ever talk to? It's, it's tough. How do you love somebody that you don't know? You, you can listen to me talk about how great God's love is, but you don't experience it like that. Have, have you ever had somebody tell you about a vacation they went on that was so amazing? And, and here's pictures. Let me show you how great this was, right? And it's like, oh, that's great for you. Thank you. Making me remember that I never get a vacation. But, but you won't ever know what that vacation's like until you go and do it, right? That's how Christianity is with God. I can tell you all about it, but until you experience it yourself, what I'm saying is just words. 
It will never make sense to you. We learn about God because we hear His Word. We draw closer to God by being in a relationship with Him. And like any relationship, we would want to know everything that we can about the person we're in a relationship with, right? God gave us His Word so that we know who He is, what He's about. We talk with Him in prayer because we commune with Him, we communicate, we have relationship with Him that way. We can learn who He is, what He is, how He is through His Word. We study to find His character on how He loves, how He thinks. Only when we know Him can we truly love Him. It has to be you that does that. I can't do that for you. I've told you guys that many, many times. I can't walk your walk for you. I can tell you how to do it. I can't walk it for you. That's something. And you guys can all sit back there and go, I love Troy's God because Troy said he's good. But you, you have to know him yourself. Second, we have to love our neighbor. I could really do a whole teaching on this. Um, I actually could the last one too, but you guys only listen to me for so long before you start throwing things. Um, there's so many angles and misconceptions and just bad teaching on this. God commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember, we're doers of God's word here. That's what the context of what we're talking about here is. What does it mean to love your neighbor? In the simplest way to say it is basically, we're to have a heart for other people, right? We place them as important and we care for them. It's not just the person who lives next door, it's, it's anyone that we encounter. We are to show the love of Christ to them and to be an example to them. Love is an action. You must give of yourself in order for it to work. So what does it mean? Oh, what it does not mean is that you excuse horrible behavior, behavior because you're accepting. Jesus never accepted bad behavior. He said to turn from it and to follow him. Loving someone is telling them they need to turn from their sin and to follow God. Accepting it is ignoring it, and it's probably one of the most unloving things that we can do because we, we basically are showing that we compromise truth. And people will say things like, yeah, well, Jesus ate with prostitutes and tax collectors. Yeah, he did. And not one of them stayed in the behavior they were doing. They turned from that. So let me, say, let me lay this out for you guys in a way that you guys would better understand this. Let's say that you have a friend. Some of you may not, but let's say that you have a friend. And let's say this friend comes out of the bathroom with toilet paper, long roll of it, dragging behind them. Like that, like that picture there. Popular Christian teaching today is that you ignore that and you just love them, right? Jesus said you lovingly tell them about the toilet paper so they can remove it. 
We keep wanting to avoid the toilet paper, but it's there and it's just dragging around behind these people, right? I, I want friends who love me enough to tell me, hey, dude, you got toilet paper dragging behind you. I want relationships deep enough so that we can do these minor corrections in love so that we both draw closer to God through, through that relationship. The reality is we've all had toilet paper dragging behind us in our lives. Every single one of us has gone through things. Every single one of us has had issues. We've all been there. We don't ignore these things when they come up. We deal with them. Avoidance or acceptance of toilet paper just really makes both of us look stupid. Me, because I'm walking around with toilet paper dragging behind me. You, because people look at you and go, hey, man, why didn't you tell the guy he's got toilet paper dragging behind him? What kind of a friend just lets his other friend walk around like that? Thirdly, we tell people about Christ. The gospel is spread by telling people about his love. We have to share the truth. We have to share the whole truth. Look at this Barna study. Can you guys see that at all? Probably not. Wow. Well, there it is. All right. So let me be your eyes and ears. So right here, this top part here, this is talking about differences on faith and sharing. All right. These top parts here, that's, that's millennials, Gen X, boomers, and elders. Okay. So my sisters, never mind. So over in here says part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus. All right. So everybody's up on the 95 percentish range. That's pretty good. The best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. Yay. They're all in the nineties again. That's good. Right here. When someone raises questions about faith, I know how to respond. All right. Well, we're in the high eighties, mid right, right in the mid nineties. That's not bad. I'm gifted at sharing my faith with people. We start dropping way down. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We, God gives all of us the gift of, of the ability to share the gospel in some way or another. Down here, though, it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will someday come to share your faith. 47, 27, 19, 20. We don't believe that we should tell people who don't believe in Jesus about Jesus. And here, this is the one that really scares me. If someone disagrees with you, it means that they're judging you. 40% of millennials say that. Just because I disagree with you does not mean I'm judging you. I'm trying, to te I'm trying to help you see something from my point of view. And we don't do that yet. The church today has instilled this, this version of kind of a Fabio Jesus that never judged anyone and all he did was love everyone. You got that next slide? There he is, Fabio Jesus. 
it's it's like when we when Wendy and I went, we saw the we saw the movie The Son of God. That's what that movie was. It was a Fabio Jesus. It was like, oh, I'm so angry that you threw these tables. You know, it was it was horrible. The representation that they that they made of Christ in that was typical of today's church, but it's not Jesus. We have to share the gospel. We have to share it all. We can't just talk about our friend Jesus. You guys remember we talked about Todd White. And Todd White, a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, two months ago now, he, he repented from his pulpit for sharing a partial gospel. He didn't mention sin. He never wanted to mention that word because he was afraid. Joel Osteen does the exact same thing. But Todd White noticed something that was typical in the mainstream church today. 85% of the people who came to his church, gave their life to Christ, left the church. 85%. If you are told everything is perfect in your life and God loves you, if we don't ever mention the terms repentance or sin, why would people think they need a savior? If, if everything's great and dandy and every, you're just, woohoo, why would you need God? The mainstream church teaches people that they're just, that they're just great as they come in. It's just a lie. They came here for a reason. If they come into a church, it's because what is outside stinks and they don't want nothing to do with it. And then when they come in, you tell them, oh, it's just the same here. Yay. What's the point in coming? They have to recognize that they're sinners in need of a savior. That's the entire point of the gospel. You, you come as you are, but you don't leave as you came. The whole gospel message has to be taught. It has to be taught in love and humility, but it has to be taught. My mom's just watching a video over there. It's fine. It's awesome. It must be taught with Christ and his redemptive work, not the man-centered gospel. Last point that we're going to talk about is God's religion. We covered some of this with Christ's real commands for us. But how does James say that that looks? He lays it out as service and righteousness. We are to serve those around us, especially, James points out specifically, the, the widows and the poor. My mom's blessing bags that we were doing here, it was kind of a great ministry to help those in need. My, my sister came out, she's visiting from alligator land, and we're putting a shower in the bathroom back here. Why are we putting a shower in there? Well, you know, if there's homeless people that need to clean up or do whatever, we're actually talking about maybe putting some, like a little, a little studio back in, in the back of the church for somebody that may need help. That's, 
that's our job is to help people in need. We, we have multiple other ways that we can do that. Did you guys know that when Wendy and I were looking at moving down to Wilcox like 10 years ago or whatever it was, Wilco they, the, chamber, the Chamber of Commerce here, they're, they're really touting the, the great city of Wilcox. One of the things that they pointed out to us, trying to scare us from moving here, was that Wilcox had the lowest per capita income of any city in the state of Arizona. There's a lot of opportunities to be doers of the word, especially here. Christianity is about service, and we've already talked about that. When we think of religion again, we, we, think, of the, we think of the rules, we think of the laws. But, but God's religion is all about love. It's all about loving him, loving others, telling other people how to love him, how to love others. That's what God's religion is. We love others so much that we want to take care of them. Our hearts and our wallets should be open to those who are in need. And I know some of you have done that. I would just challenge all of us to look at how we can do that even better. We shouldn't do it out of obligation. It should be because we hurt when we see other people hurting. And the second part of that is actually harder. Because the reality is, I can write a check, I, I can help, a, I can help a, a poor person, I can take food, um, I, can, I can do chores to help somebody out. And, and th that's, that's great, that's great, you know, woohoo, yay me. But the harder part of that is being stained by the world. And that may be tough. Anyone, anyone in here influenced by the world at all? Yeah, you should all raise your hand because you all are. Um, any, anyone in here feel pulled sometimes by the world, some of the things that they do? Um, and, and we all go through that. Here's a common misconception. <sighs> People think for some reason that God wants you to be perfect. Okay? Well, let me help you. That attitude drives so many people away from the church because this is going to be hard for some, especially Josh. We can't. We can't be perfect. God knows that you can't be perfect. Thousands of years of people trying to keep all the rules showed God one thing. Nobody can keep all the rules. God's religion is one where grace is everywhere. You look at the entire Old Testament. It's, they messed up, he gave them grace. They messed up again, they gave them grace. He messed up, blah, blah, blah. The, the entire, just flip, page, messed up, grace, messed up, grace, messed up, grace, messed up, grace. The entire book is that. You go into the New Testament, you know what happens? They continued that pattern. It's the same thing. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. Here's the thing. See that guy's running through there. That's, you guys ever feel like that? Like that's what the world's doing to you? Like you're, you're running, oh man, I'm getting hit by all this stuff. It, instead of stains for sins that we've done, 
What if we looked at that as grace instead of the sins? That would kind of change the way we look at everything, wouldn't it? If that was God on the side, just going, I know you're going through this. I just keep pouring grace on you. We, we don't ignore that the sin's there. We, we lovingly correct it and we show grace. That's, that's exactly the pattern that you see throughout Scripture. It's, it's, it, the sin's never avoided. It's dealt with and it's shown grace. You're shown grace. You mess up, you're shown grace. Christ showered his disciples with grace. How many times? I mean, you can just see it like, there they go again. Seriously. I mean, they've been with me for years. How do they not know this? And he just kept going like, all right, let me explain it to you again. Let me explain it to you again. The author of this book, James, he did not even believe in his brother that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah until after he was dead. Christ appeared to him, showed him grace. We're all stained in some way. We've all been through something. We've all done something. And, and just to ignore that and just act like it's not happening is it doesn't get anybody anywhere. It's not our job to be the sanctification police, but it is our job to love. And, and we do that by not compromising on God's truth, though. We, we can't be stained by the world. Psalm, 42, or Psalm 4, 2 through 3 says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lives? Selah. But you know, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. We, we, we live in this world and, and are to be a shining light to it. We can't do that if we compromise and we act like the world. It can't be done. That's the issue that Todd White and many others start seeing, is you can't straddle the fence by becoming the world to, to reach the world. It, it doesn't work like that. The Pope just made a massive mistake. And, and I don't know if any of you guys heard this, but the Pope just said that he believes we should accept homosexual marriage. This man is considered by Catholicism to be the vicar of Christ. He literally is what they say is Christ's representative on earth. His word can actually be considered more important than Scripture itself. So when he says that, it's he just rewrote the entire premise of God's character and nature to appease the world. Here's the, here's the reality, though. The world says that Christians hate homosexuals, and that's just not true. That's a lie. This is going to have horrible repercussions of the church and Christianity as a whole because the the Pope just endorsed blatant sin. And some of you have heard this before, but let me do this to make this come home. Let's say Pastor Troy, this guy, he's a really good guy. 
everybody likes him. Right? And they, they seem to like the church pretty good. I mean, we do a good job here, right? But then, after a while, it comes out, I'm a practicing murderer. You know, I do it on the weekends, whenever. It's, it's no big deal. I've been hiding it for years, but, but it's been discovered now, so I can't really hide it anymore. Some of you confront me and say that I'm sinning. But I say, how dare you judge me? Only God can judge me. I love murdering people. And it's already been established that love is love. So back off and just accept me as I am. Right? And you're all saying, come on, man. Murder's not the same as homosexuality. Really? They're both sins. Why do we accept one and not the other? Because, literally, because the world tells us to. We are basing, we are basing Christian doctrine on what the world says is acceptable for the church. Do you guys understand that? Catholics have been officially stained by the world in the name of compromise. We love people. We come, along peop- uh, we come alongside people. We show them the love of Christ. The Pope's, hearts, the Pope's heart has just deceived millions of people. And I've already seen... Have you guys seen the memes already? Well, the Pope says it's okay. What's odd is every single one of those memes that I've seen is from people who are not believers. So the world is watching the church compromise itself. What he showed them was not love. He showed them that he's unwilling to stand on God's truth. He just made the entire Catholic church pointless. Why would the world look to it when it's the exact same as what it is outside? I mean, except for they got cool chants and they go up and down when they're supposed to and stuff. Other than that, it's the same as the outside. We have to be separate. Where's my fishbowl? Yes. We have to be separate. We can't, con- we can't continue to compromise truth as a church. We're already at a point, think about that, we're already at a point where God's church is almost unrecognizable because of compromise. And it seems like a lot of churches have a lot different Bibles than mine, but the one in front of us says that we're to be doers of God's word, not the world's. And we are to teach them the the love of Christ, we're we're not supposed to show them compromise. We're not supposed to change God's word so that it fits them. that's, That's what's happening out there.
we are to be unstained by the world, not become like them so that they think we're cool. It's not about hate. We don't hate anybody. We love them enough to share the truth with them. God's religion is one full of grace and mercy. And, And it's also one about truth. We have to embrace it all or we have nothing but man's religion that we're following. And you know what? Man's religion always leads to destruction. God's religion leads to an eternal relationship with Him. And it's it's not about being perfect. It's about surrendering your life to Him. We, We look at today's world and the world needs more truth than it does compromise because compromise keeps having us go more and more and more away from God's word and you see we've talked about this and especially in the book of Acts we talked about this a lot how the church is falling apart the church's numbers are falling apart. And there's, I mean, there's a simple reason for it. Why go there when it's the same as outside? What's the point? The church is compromised on so much stuff. And when the church does that, it becomes irrelevant. No. I know. I hear you, girl. I understand. Let's stand up. We'll pray.